Hello out there in podcast land and welcome back to Spoilers, your bad movie review show on the Rat Pack Podcast Network, where hosts have lots of opinions but zero credentials. Each week we watch a movie, usually a bad one, we crack a couple jokes, we give your insight into the film, and we play a couple games at the end. I'm your host Adam, I am joined by the maestro... Hello, sir. I am uh, the maestro. Yes, and cowboy. I like the masks worn during this pandemic will be all over your face. Okay. All right. Uh, this week, we continue our quarantine block of episodes, uh, which I'm pretty sure is going to be a quarantine year of episodes uh, if things keep going the way they are. But uh, movies aren't being released as often, so I usually make connections with movies and what we're going to do, so we're just doing a freeform. This week, I believe this is Cowboy's pick. I think he, it was his suggestion to watch this one. Yeah. yeah. It's from 1986. And you know is, me in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. Definitely a Cowboy pick. Then. <laughs> this is uh, Stallone, which is a spoiler's favorite. We, like, we love doing his movies because they are so spoilerable. This one is from 86. Like I said, it's Cobra. Cobra! Yes, this is directed by George P. Cosmatos. It stars Sylvester Stallone, Brigitte Nielsen, Rennie Santoni, Andrew Robinson, and Brian Thompson. Yes. Here's a synopsis, and we'll get into our thoughts about the movie. Okay. A tough-on-crime street cop must protect the only surviving witness to a strange, murderous cult with far-reaching plans. Have you ever seen this movie before? Let's start with Maestro. <laughs> no, I have not actually. This really? Yes. Inch. I, I would have thought you would have seen this one for some reason. You know that that's what I thought too. But I've never been when I was a kid. At least I've never been a Stallone fan to begin with. Oh, okay. Because like, come on, man. I mean, like, for me and like Rambo, it just couldn't be farther apart. Mm. I know, but the fact that you saw Commando <laughs> with Arnold Schwarzenegger, which was out around the same time as this, right? I'm surprised you haven't seen Cobra. I like the Terminator. That was more up my alley. All right. So you're more Arnold than you are Sly? That's true. Okay. Yeah. And Cowboy, since you picked this movie, I assume that you have seen it before? Oh, yeah. Yeah? More, oh, a yeah. couple times, even? Would you go that far? Uh, I'd say back in my younger days, quite often. Okay. This, this I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, back in 1986, this was a killer movie. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm sure it was. Uh, the way 1986 was. <laughs> this was like action packed. Yeah. Okay. Uh, this is my first time watching it. I, I've also heard of this. It's been talked about as kind of, it, it's kind of up on a pedestal somehow uh, from the talks that I do hear about it. Uh, watching the movie, finally, I uh, don't understand. <laughs> I can explain it all to you right now. Okay, okay. if Steven Seagal had a <laughs> had a baby with Stallone when he first did Rambo, you'd get Cobra. Mm. All right. This um, it's the, it's, it did not do it for me. This movie, I I don't. Uh, there's there's too much where it's blatantly trying to be actiony that. It's, it misses somehow. My, my main complaint was that there wasn't a whole lot to talk about. And it, it, I was trying to take notes, but nothing to me was really noteworthy until like the, the, one of the final scenes. You, you, you took notes? I did, I did take notes. Oh. I'm starting to take notes again. 
Uh, to try trying to find movies that you don't take notes on. <laughs> but, gosh. Let's see. What's my first note here? Oh, the first, <laughs> my first note is about uh, kind of the opening scene where we see uh, Cobretti make his entrance when there's a guy that apparently has a big problem with produce. Uh, where he walks into a grocery store and just starts shooting the produce and then the well, chips. He, he, he belonged to that. It's the way of the new world. It, it, it almost had a feel of Terminator to it, where they had this group of people that were creating the new world. You know, they were trying to create the, the world of not, not, not Terminator. I'm sorry. Uh, Robocop. Oh, they were almost trying to create the world of Robocop, you know, and it's almost like Cobra happened and then Robocop came out because the new world happened and now they need Robocop to fix the new world. Do they ever give this cult a name? Uh, the, the axe guys, they were called the clink clink, yeah. you know, <laughs> that was very bothersome for me as well. I, I, I was expecting that the axes and the clanking to come to more of a, a resolution of some kind where yeah. they, they're going to do all this with axes and the clanking was kind of like a ritual maybe of some kind that they were performing and it all just kind of fell very flat for me. I think the part of that was it was just supposed to be sinister. And it was, you know, back, especially back in 1986, that was that was pretty sinister that, you know, a cult of people out there murdering, you know, and they can't they don't know who they are. They don't know what's going on. Um, they have zero M.O. as far as who they're targeting and stuff. It's just okay. random people. Right. And it was basically because they were trying to create the new world order. They were trying to get rid of the weak. Wasn't Buffalo Bill in this film too? What? I Buffalo Bob. I'm sorry. Buffalo Bob. I, I didn't see any Buffaloes. I, I don't know. Where? Yeah, it's Buffalo Bill. You're, no, you're right the first time. Okay. But I didn't, I didn't recognize him in this movie. If he, if he really? was. Let me, let me double check them. Hold on. Yeah. So and that's another thing that I was wondering about this organization, this, this cult. Their objective is just to kill weak people or are they trying to create chaos? What, what is, what is, what is their mission statement as, as a cult? What are they trying to get? Wreak havoc, kill people. I, I think, I think the main guy of it, uh, who ran around with what, you know, now after watching the whole movie was the bad cop. That was part of the group. Yes. Uh, the insider. Mrs. Bartlett. Um, I, I, I think he was just fucking insane. That was, that was trying Bartlett's, to create Bartlett's was wife, that? Bartlett's wife in West wing. Yeah. With a lot of makeup. Yeah. It was, she looked older in this than she did in, in West wing, which is weird. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, but even in this, they, they had to do some audio to make her voice different. Okay. They almost made her sound manly. Mm, I didn't pick up on that. And, yeah, and so in some of the in some of the scenes, she almost sounded manly. I, I think they had to do some audio with her, but um, it, it was that guy was insane, and that knife is fucking badass. I'm sorry. I did enjoy the knife, the way it was designed, with the uh, the spikes along the, the the handle. It's a it's a yeah, it's a double double whammy. I, I think I think growing up watching this movie, um, 
It's sad. It's a 1986, and I've probably seen it in 87 or 88, which means I was like seven or eight years old when I watched this movie. Uh, Different times, you know? I I could see Uh, this being action-packed at that age, but at at this current age, this this was not action-y for me. No, I don't think it was action-packed, but I think the reason why I still didn't have a problem watching it and enjoying parts of it was... The nostalgia factor. Right. Yeah. That's a heavy, heavy uh, movie thing. Unfortunately, most of the nostalgia factor of movies that come from you, Adam, is like from the early to late 2000s. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> when you were finally able to watch regular TV. Yes. No, that's, just... the, the, no, that, that's not inaccurate. The, most of the movies that I watched to a certain point were very Disney-fied kind of movies where there was not a whole lot of stuff happening. It was just feel good basically and uh the, the first movie that got me out of that bubble as I've, i'm sure i've said before on the podcast many times was die hard but i didn't watch that until uh the 90s maybe even college no. <laughs> was it was it on vhs you it, know? <laughs> it was on vhs i was in junior high uh it was at a friend's house he showed me die hard and that was my opening into oh Movies can be more than Disney. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, you know, you're getting old when you're talking about VHS. Like our parents talked about Betamax. I I, and I had Betamax tracks well. and and stuff like that. I have a a, a a Betamax recording of Three Caballeros, which is a Disney that I still own without being able to play it in any way, shape, or I'm incapable of playing it. I don't have a Betamax player anymore. Can you even get a Betamax player? I don't know. I'm sure there's got to be some way. I'm sure Amazon's got everything, you know? Yeah, you're going to pay through the nose for it, though. It's, I mean, these things, uh, it probably costs now what it costed back then, which is ridiculous because it's an outdated technology, but it's like an antique now. Well, I mean, I'm just sitting here thinking about my life, okay? VHSs. My grandparents had a VHS player it was a Kazar Q U A Z E R or something like that. Yep. And it had a remote with it, but not with like um it had a twenty five foot little cord hooked up to it that plugged oh. into the back <laughs> of the VCR. So it was a wired remote. Uh, it was a wired remote wow. that went all the way across the room. And this is back in the days where you had a phone hanging up on the wall in the kitchen with a 25-foot spiral cord hanging all the way down to the floor. Right. So it can go up to maybe um, 45 feet. <laughs> yeah. I mean, this is this is how I know I'm getting older because, you know, you had, you had VHS, then Laserdisc. Mm. Then Laserdisc became DVD. DVD became Blu-ray. And now everything's going digital. Yeah. Well, those, the step between the DVD and Blu-ray where it was very short-lived, the HD DVDs, where it was, it was, oh, yeah. it was a battle between those two, and then HD DVD lost. And it was, I'm pretty sure it was because of porn, actually. It's, basically, porn uh, actually drives a lot of technology. A lot of the technology we have is because they need it for porn, and it's a very lucrative industry. And they grasp onto Blu-ray versus HD DVD, and that kind of, I think, set the tone. There's probably other factors involved, but from my recollection, that's uh, true. <laughs> okay, I just 
Yeah. So I found out who I'm talking about. Oh. The character that played Buffalo Bob in Joe Dirt, that played the joke version of Buffalo Bill in Silence of the Lambs, is in this film. Okay. As the, I think, what's he called? The slasher? What's he called? Yeah. His name was Brian Thompson. Brian Thompson, the night slasher. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I knew I had it there. Okay. It was just the same same type of actor or same type same type of character. Just he, movie. He reminds me a lot of uh, Stifler. He has really? a very Stifler face. Not not the way he, that he acted, but his face was was Stiflery in, in this movie. Really, I think so. I'm, was it Sean uh, Sean William Scott? Sean William Scott. Yeah. Nope. I just think it's funny how throughout this movie they're wearing pantyhose. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, dude, that was they, a thing in 1986. Uh, yeah. Yes. That, dude, is, that was the thing until the 90s. Yeah. Th- that was a huge uh, criminal thing that I remember growing up. That that was all criminals wore the pantyhose. Uh, what was um, interesting about this one is that he had the eyes cut out. That was weird. Which I feel like that would just create a, a tear and run in, in, in pantyhose. Yeah, but he looked like it stayed put. So I'm guessing that either he knew what he was doing when he made this last year in the film form or... Those are really high quality nylons, <laughs> you know. And police officers that are uh, bad really love a man in uniform. <laughs> oh, so I was I was wondering, have you noticed that uh, the reason why they wear those nylon pantyhose? Uh, I think because they didn't shave their face. <laughs> it's something I've always wondered about, and my best guess is you can still see well enough but it distorts your facial features enough so that if, if you were to get a sketch artist it would be drawn in a way that is different from what your actual face looks like precisely i even saw an aspect of how it's supposed to look in its most distorted version so basically there's this i think korean tv show where uh, the one of the guest stars was jack black and what they had to do was they had to had to um, they play this little game where they had to blow out a candle. The only difference is they were they had to hold on to this nylon mask over their head and blow through the nylon mask to blow the, blow out the candle. And it, the, the 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 candle was like ten feet away, so they had to like cl- crawl to it with the mask on, holding him back. <laughs> His face, by the time he got to the candle, looked like an Asian Lego man. <laughs> oh. Okay, so the the tighter the face or the tighter the nylons, the more distorted your face looks. So you, you can't be caught up in the sketch drawing. I guess is the the point here. All right. So did you guys see? I'm sorry. Did you see the commercial one time? I think it was a Snickers commercial where the robbers were were supposed to wear nylons, and the, one of the guys showed up with fishnet stocking, a really big <laughs> fishnet stocking over his face. No. And then some old lady in the background is going something like, William, is that you? And he's like, I told you to wear stockings. Over his- <laughs> there was this dog who's like, not going anywhere for a while. Grab a sneakers. It was- <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Nice. <laughs> that's, all my, that's all my little kid had. No, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Oh, right. pantyhose. All right, uh, I want to get back to my notes here because, like I said, there's not a lot of them. But back to the beginning, still with the produce, the guy in the store, 
that's coming in. And uh, apparently, I guess his motivation is that he wants to create a ruckus, have the camera crews come so he can give his manifesto, I guess, on camera to promote his new world order through this axe clanking cult. But there was uh, as soon as uh, Coboretti, Co- <laughs> Co- yeah, as soon as Marion uh, enters the grocery store, he there's there's a clerk like a right by the register, and he tells her Shh, be quiet. And then as he's going through the store, we see a bunch of other people in the aisles that could have very easily escaped and gotten away, and they're just kind of they're just paralyzed in fear. They're deer in headlights during this whole kerfuffle there's only only four maybe five people are actually truly at risk over in the in the, uh, by the deli department that, that are actually being held hostage everyone else they're just stuck in the aisles or at the register not doing a damn thing cowboy you gotta unmute your mic there i, I would have to say that you son of a bitch it's this new computer. It doesn't like my fingers. Okay. Um, no, I would have to say they were frozen in fear, um, especially after the guy that he's like, no, no, you're free. You're free. And he starts walking down the aisle. Next thing you know, he gets shot. They're all just frozen in fear. They're, they don't want to go anywhere. They don't want to run because they don't necessarily know where this guy's at because they've been cowering down, looking down, not wanting Mm-hmm. So they have no idea where he's at. So they don't want to take a chance. They don't want to take a risk, you know. Okay. Especially the girl that he goes into first, the the, the clerk. She's behind a wall, behind a checkout, like in a hole, you know. Yeah, right I, by I would, the I door. Try, I I would try to get underneath the register, you know, where the trash can is underneath there. That usually, <laughs> you know, I, I work in a mm-hmm. grocery store, so there's compartments underneath those stands. I would try and crawl underneath that and put the trash can in front of me and not make a noise. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't know. But that's me. I'm a pussy. <laughs> well, I feel like my survival instinct would kick in where I'm, I'm going to be looking around. Where is he? Listen, use my ears. He sounds like he's over there. Maybe I can come down this aisle and eventually get my way outside. But I haven't been in the situation, so I don't know if I would, <laughs> if I would react that way. I might be frozen. I don't know. It's very possible. Yeah, yeah. I think you'd probably try and find your way to the alcohol department. Right. Yeah. If I'm going to be stuck in here, I'm going to enjoy myself. <laughs> right. If I have the potential of dying right here, right now, yeah. I'm going to get drunk. I'm going to drink this courage so I can overpower him. <laughs> <laughs> and pass out. Hey, yes. And wake up and it's all just a dream. Right. <laughs> Good Lord. All right. Yeah. So basically, my my next note after that is at the very end of the movie, where it's so everything in between was kind of just like uh, all right. So so basically, uh, there's these people that are out killing the night slashers. Which at at one point we think it's only a night slasher. Uh, Cobra surmises. I think I think there might be more of them. It might be a group of people, and. We now see the group of people come, and they take out several different people. And during one of these situations, uh, Brigitte Nielsen, uh, Ingrid, I think was her name? Yeah, Ingrid drives by, sees the guy, and now they're targeting her. This is where we get the clue in that there's an inside person helping them. Because we get Bartlett's wife, uh, which I forget her name, 
uh, she was saying, get the license plate. And then cut to later, she's at the police department typing a license mm. plate, finding out where she is, trying to track her down. And at, at this point, they don't know what she saw. They just know that she saw something. So they need to take her out to protect the identity of this Night Slasher cult. That's basically it. And then they track her down, and there's a huge firefight because the photographer was being all pervy, trying to, hey, if you want to get ahead. <laughs> oh, I'm not saying you have to sleep with me. I'm just saying if you want to get ahead. Did the, the guy who played the photographer, is that Harvey Weinstein? <laughs> oh, I'm just, just wondering. He actually he reminded me a lot of the the reporter from Die Hard. I don't know if it was the same actor or not. It, it, it might have been. But the, the guy that was basically put John McClane's kids on the screen in the first Die Hard movie and foiled his whole plans with Hans Gruber. It, uh, he's, he's, general douchebag is, is his face. <laughs> Whenever he's in a movie, I think that's not a good person. Was, was that what he was titled in the credits? General <laughs> douchebag? <laughs> He might be lieutenant. That'd be great. He might be lieutenant douchebag because uh, he didn't get I, very far. <laughs> I would love to be in a movie and my credit be general douchebag. <laughs> so there, there's a whole now. The whole thing is this cult needs to take this chick out because she's a witness to their whole thing, which I thought based on the beginning they want this to be televised. They they want to get recognition and put their message out there. So then why are they so concerned about this? Because they want it televised. They want to, they're terrorists basically. And they want to cause terrorism in the streets, create their new world order, but they don't want anything linking back to individual people because then they could have the possibility of being caught and identified. They wanted to be, there's this group, and the group's getting bigger, and more and more people are dying and being slashed, but there's no individual. And not only that, but you got to think about it. There's a, a cop, a dirty cop, an insider, that their plan is based on her not being found out. Yeah, I, I guess. But if, if their whole thing is to create chaos, th this would be chaos. I, I I saw this one guy. Because, again, they, they don't know how much she saw. And, and from what we find out, she only saw the one person and maybe two others in the shadows. So it, it, does, does it hurt or help the cause that, holy shit, there's a lot of panic happening based on what I saw. That That should, I think, promote their agenda. To create the panic and, and the and the fear. And well, the panic was already created. The fear was already created. By, by doing all these things and these murders and stuff like that, they're already causing panic and fear in society because there's this shit going on and nobody knows. In fact, that causes more panic and fear when there's stuff going on and the authorities – don't have any clue, any leads, none whatsoever, no mm. motive, no direction, no nothing. That causes more fear yeah. than, you know, oh, this is what the guy looks like. See, that's the reason why I think Danny Glover's version of The Predator did a lot more panic and fear. Because what? I feel like 
that no one knew what he was capable of, only Danny Glover at the end. So I think that this was actually the ultimate pandemic slash fear slash scare fear thing. And, and okay, and so pandemonium. so this <laughs> this night slasher is the original coronavirus, is what you're saying? Sure, let's go with that. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but honestly, to tell you the truth, I feel like this film is you're taking too much into the story for this film. I feel like a lot of what this is is just a balls to the wall action film with a really cool car. Did you see that car? Uh, it, it did look pretty cool. I, I'm did not you see the hubcaps on that bad boy? I, oh, I, that, I wish I had those. I think the moon rims. Favorite yeah. part of the car is is the is the the hubcaps. The 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 thing about this movie is not only was there a really cool car, there was a really cool knife. Yep. And a really cool gun that had a cobra on the handle. Oh come on, mate! That isn't a that's not, that ain't a knife. <laughs> <laughs> that was a knife with spikes, dude. That yeah, that that was a uh, high powered brass knuckled knife combo type of thing. Yeah. yeah, you can do the same thing with brass knuckles. That's not good enough. Yeah, no brass. Oh, hold on, brass knuckles don't have spikes. These are spiked. Knuckles. You can put spikes on them. Yeah, I'm sure you can. My 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 uh I don't know if it's an issue, but um Ingrid or Ingram or whatever her name is. Was her name Ingrid? Ingrid. Ingrid Ingrid. Yeah. Uh in the movie. She uh her character showed zero scaredness, uh worry issue when he's driving crazy trying to catch these people when she's supposed to be going to protection yes you know she's just like "Eh." it was like nothing to her she's like why why do i gotta go to protection just let me go to let me go to my next shoe blah 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 you know it was the complete opposite of the girl in commando that was freaking out (laughs) (laughs) this was like the complete opposite of that yeah in fact actually Go, go ahead, Mister. That may, that may that may be very true, but her hair showed volumes. <laughs> I think they both showed volumes, <laughs> and um, yeah. The the uh, so a uh, note I had in between the basically the last scene is is that car chase that we're talking about the the cowboy mentioned. She is basically trying to go into witness protection. They're they're trying to keep her secluded. Keep her safe because she is going to be the key to unlocking who this night slasher is. And then when confronted, oh, we're going after these goo. <laughs> that's, that's the craziest thing that could be done. So Salone in his fancy car with the nice hubcaps uh, is now chasing down these criminals in the car with their star witness there. That should not be the way you do things. Bullets are flying off. At one point, they're right next to a car that has the machine gun shooting at them. She could have very easily been killed. Do you doubt the abilities of Marion Cabretti? <laughs> Based on this movie, he is—he's uh, Hawkeye with with a gun. Seriously, because and Coors Light can he never misses a shot with Coors Light? That's right, at the beginning. The, that wasn't a Coors Light. That was a Coors. That was the original Cowboy Banquet beer. It was oh. regular Coors. Oh, okay. Coors original, right? Because it had the yellow wrapper on it. 
I don't know, how much did Pepsi pay to be in this movie? <laughs> was was that Pepsi display amazing? I, I was very that was that's how Pepsi displays were back in the days. That's I, I was very impressed by that. And even Annie was like, "How are they doing that?" <laughs> that's boring. Yeah. <laughs> now it's just. Hey, let's stack up some 12 packs and make a picture out of it. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> they get the directive from the company. Hey, this is how you would, it's like all pixelated, but hey. Right. Yeah. It looks like a football. <laughs> Give me the Pepsi display that has a Pepsi can pouring Pepsi. Yeah. That was awesome. I, I enjoyed that way too much. I want one. It might be my favorite part of the entire movie was that Pepsi display. <laughs> <laughs> You were you were heartbroken when it got blown up. Yeah, like, no, I'm never gonna know how it works now. But it seemed like <laughs> Pepsi was in every shot around the corner, you know. And then all of a sudden, uh, his partner is drinking a Coke. <laughs> it's like, wait, wait. I thought oh. Pepsi was the sponsor of this movie, oh, interesting. and now he's drinking a Coke. Like, <laughs> was I, this before the days they had to pay royalties to? Probably for using their products. Yes, it it had to have been. Otherwise, either one of them would have. Maybe this movie is what caused all that. (laughs) (laughs) You have Pepsi and Coke. You can't do that. No. (laughs) I mean, shit. You watch iCarly and you got a pear pod. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Yeah. You can't. You can't give credit to anybody. Yeah, but so so the whole the, the car chase scene. That was weird. Uh, th- there was a point where Stallone's car hits a ramp, I guess, at some point in the alley. The the, the amount of carnage that happened during the, the street race or the chase, whatever you want to call it, was crazy. And, and the one thing I will say about this movie is this is before CGI. So all of these things that happened had to have actually happened. So I will say another thing yeah. you might agree with me on. Because you know how I am with continuity stuff. And when it comes to a car chase scene or racing through the streets and a car gets damaged, yeah. I look at the next scene to see if that damage is there. Right. And it was. It, it yes. was there on his car. The left side, the driver's side got smashed in and he's going down the road and that left side is smashed in. And I was like, thank you, Cobra 1986. <laughs> Screw you. 2010 to 2020 <laughs> knock off a wind a mirror and it's right back in the yeah, next scene i think the last one he did was a uh, six underground is where six that underground came yeah yeah i love that movie but i still tore that <laughs> continuity shit apart now uh before you ever did the spoilers podcast are these thoughts that ever entered your mind as far as continuity Screw you. No, they weren't. You've destroyed my movie watching viewing pleasure for the rest of my life. And I have to learn to keep my mouth shut during movies so I don't ruin it for other people Mm. watching said movie. (laughs) Rant done. All right. right. So there was a whole lot of other things happening in between here, but I want to jump straight to the the final climactic scene because that's – Everything in between was kind of just, uh, who cares? Uh, she almost got killed in a hospital. Fine. Uh, there was other things. As, as Mitch Hedberg would say, it was filler. It was, it was yes. I, I think the whole movie was basically building up to this final scene. Because this is the only part of the movie that I guess really mattered. 
when they made this movie, when, when and by the way, Sylvester Stallone had a big writing part in this as well. He wanted to show off, I think, his action chops, which in the final scene, I don't think he did a very good job. It, it was very bam, bam, bam. That final scene explosion. was very quick. Bang, bang, bang. A car flies off. Bang, bang, bang. That guy falls. Bang, bang, bang. That guy falls. Motorcycle, run over, whatever. It, it was, it was, it was very, it was choppy. It, oh, it was, you're talking about the hotel scene where the, all these guys come in on motorcycles and stuff. Yes. Uh, when you're saying final scene, I'm thinking in, oh, in, the, in what the was supposed to be like a barn, but it ended up being an industrial building. What What are they producing in this in this place? Yeah, I, I don't understand that, but I'm thinking that being the final scene. Okay, that scene seemed like it ended too quick. Like the fight between him and the Night Slasher seemed like it should have taken longer. Uh, yes. And it, it, well, part of me thought it should have ended faster. Because <laughs> based on this uh, movie, Sloane has, I, I think he's, he's trying to be funny. A lot of it falls flat for me. And especially his one liners here and there about things. The, the, while they were talking, he was saying, oh, you're not going to shoot me, cop. You won't because I have rights, cop. And he keeps going at him. like, a, And I expected it to be, you have the right to remain silent and then kill him. Right there. <laughs> it's like That would have fitted with the character of his shitty lines, his one-liners of things. But he keeps going and then he gets chained up by uh, the girl from Greece. Uh, and then... It's a weird, yeah. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, Marion Cobretti was not the type of police officer that did things by the book. So when the Night Slasher is sitting there calling him a pig and spitting every time he said pig. Yeah. Um, reminded me of the king in Hamilton, by the way. That was spitting. <laughs> um when I saw that, sorry. Anyway, don't change the subject. <laughs> sorry, <laughs> you love the subject. Shut up. <laughs> so anyway, uh, when he was saying that, yeah, what you're saying, how it should have ended, would fit, because Marion Cabretti didn't do things by the book. Yeah, but I do love the fact that he put him up on that hook. <laughs> that was just awesome. He's like, and he's like, and his agony and his scream. Yeah. That was awesome. Yeah. It, it, it was, it was a fine way to end this movie because based on everything before the movie, like, yes, that, okay. I see that ending, but where that hook went through his body, it probably punctured right through his lung. That dude would not be able to be screaming. Mm, right. Yep. No. I don't know. Let's ask Maestro. It's a very good point. <laughs> yes, sir. Um, it, the the end scene where uh, Marion Cabretti yeah. picks the night slasher up and jabs that and hangs him on that hook mm-hmm. through his chest. Yes. Going through his lungs, most likely. Mm-hmm. Would that guy have been able to scream the way he was? <sighs> good question. Uh, unless he didn't have a lung there to begin with, I think he would have blood problems. Blood girdles. Right, unless it somehow manages to miss the lungs completely, or if he didn't have one, he doesn't have to have one. He doesn't have lungs. Is that what? Well, he could have one lung. Yeah. I, 
I don't think you'd have the stamina to do all the things. Well, you did dude, in this movie. come on! If Lance Armstrong could have one testicle, you can live with one lung. <laughs> I don't. I don't think that's science. And not that's like mention, your liver, dude. Yeah. And not to mention, one lung is actually bigger than the other. Oh. Ah, it's like one boob is bigger than the other on women. Sure, let's go with that. It's it's actually fact. I sorry. I'm sure it's true. I I'm not sure of the relevance to this <laughs> scene, but okay. <laughs> well, also, if you think of it this way, I mean, like if the spike goes through, um, there's a good chance that the spike itself is stopping the blood from going into the lungs. So if he was to scream and deflate his lungs, it's a possibility it might actually work. But I, I think unless he's on PCP or something along that lines, I'm doubtful that he has the strength to do that either. I wouldn't doubt it. Is that in one of the earlier scenes where they, they kill the girl in the car when, when they first, when uh, Ingrid first recognizes them, the girl's saying like, What's wrong with you? How did you even hit me? Are you on drugs? Are you drinking or something? And then a grease girl uh, says, yeah, and then proceeds to kill her. That's Rizzo. Rizzo, by the way. Rizzo. Mrs. Bartlett. Uh, It's it's very possible that these guys are hopped up on things. I mean, why else would you stand in a group and clank your axes if you weren't (laughs) hopped up on something? I was just going to say they're sitting in their their little (laughs) – uh, underground tunnel sniffing axe <laughs> body spray. Hey. <laughs> I, I, I do want to go back to this, this, uh, the motel scene with the, with the bikers and the show up and everything. Cause that to me was by far the most ridiculous part of this entire movie. So the bikers show up and Corbetti gets Ingrid inside, get back in the house. And there's a shootout happening, and he's basically standing in front of the motel window, shooting out, and kills multiple people, multiple bikers from that same window. He's Hawkeye with a gun. You already said it, dude. Right. But everybody knows he's in that room. How is everybody missing? Is is this – maybe this cult is called the Stormtroopers. Maybe that's the name of this cult because nobody can hit a single – Shot on him. They're the axe troopers. The axe troopers. <laughs> and he's Han Solo. Or the axemen. <laughs> okay. Never mind. That's fine. It, it's, it, was, it was very dumb. And, and also, when, when they're trying to escape at one point, when they finally get into a truck, which Ingrid is now driving, there's a roadblock, kind of. The cars are on fire in the road. So this, this giant group of, of bikers, the, these uh, axemen have set up a roadblock in case 50 of them couldn't take out this, this one girl and this one cop. And they strategically set up the roadblock where there was a gap in the middle in between the two. Very shitty roadblock. So, so they had the foresight to think he might escape the set up roadblock, but not the foresight to think let's make this roadblock actually work. (laughs) It's 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 the illusion of roadblock. Come on, everybody's afraid of fire, dude. Come on, <laughs> drive through it. So dumb. Oh my god! And even the part where uh, he's being surrounded by guys and he's taking them all out. Uh, he's standing up in the back of the pickup truck, shooting people. And 
for a split second, he has to shoot people that are way off to the left of him so somebody could sneak on to the pickup truck and attack him so for him to throw him off. That that was it was it That was, was a good plan, dude. That was a good plan. It was distracting. <laughs> we need a diversion. See, I, I don't appreciate your tone on my movies, Adam. Um especially coming from a man who enjoys Sharknado so much. Um that is trying to be stupid. That is trying very hard and successfully being stupid. I think this movie was trying to be serious. This movie was not trying to be serious. This movie <laughs> was being an action movie. Okay. Of the 80s. From 1986. Yes. <laughs> okay. And I watched this movie. You should know this by now. When you're watching a movie from the 80s, it's not going to be CGI and all this other stuff. You know, it's real action, man. Stunt people are doing this, not computer versions. Understood. But in this movie, I I feel like their intention was, oh, this is going to be badass. Oh, this is going to be badass. Ooh, check out this. Scene. Oh, look at that guy. Look at him flipping. Oh, people are going to be like, woo. In 1986... This was badass. Okay. <laughs> and and that's that's my issue. That's why I have a rule against movies that are pre-90s. Uh, and, and that's why I keep picking them. Okay. <laughs> just just going to rise out of me, you son of a bitch. Well, just, just like Maestro <laughs> keeps picking the dubbed Japanese martial arts movies. <laughs> I don't I keep them because Adam hates them. I pick them because I love them. <laughs> really? Well, I, I love Cobra, you know. Mary, I, I wanted to change my name to Marion Cobretti Jr. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, let's, let's get back to the warehouse. Th- this warehouse where the final scene comes in. I, I already asked before, what, what the hell were they producing in this warehouse? What What kind of things... Are, are being made uh, here. It's a smelting that, plant. That was the warehouse connected to the barn where they produced the horseshoes for the horses. So do they put the horses on the hooks? What, what is meant to go on that hook? Um, cows. <laughs> I don't know. To torch I'm them. Shit what? up. Dude. I know. I just, but uh, that, the that night slasher cool. was meant to go on that hook. That, that right, yes, we, we got that. But if this was a real warehouse. That whole flame circle that the Night Slasher went into, what was meant to go through there? Something that needed to dry with the extreme heat. <laughs> the whole warehouse, I don't, I, I'm very confused by. Uh, it's also confusing the, the fact that uh, a Sly eventually he found a valve. They're like, oh, let me try this valve. And it put a guy on fire. I'm like, oh, that was the right valve. Way to go. I really did like this the part of that scene where he perched his gun up with the laser yep. pointing out in a dark area to make that guy think that, oh, he's over there. And he tried to sneak up on him and then Sly or Cobra jumped out from behind him and just killed him. Yep. That was that was that was very clever. It seems like he's a smart guy. It was like it was like it, it was like a velociraptor. Oh, clever girl! <laughs> yes. Uh, it, it's it's another thing that's confusing to me is that this zombie squad or whatever they call it, zombie something that Cobra's a part of. 
I can't imagine this being sanctioned in in real life as, hey, right? this guy plays against all the rules. We'll call him in when we need somebody that doesn't do that. It'll be lawsuits up the ass. Yeah. It's like, do what you do best, Cobra. Yeah. Go on like, cause lawsuits and like severe amount of like citywide like destruction and like pain. She's sure. like the 1986 no human superpower Deadpool. <laughs> yeah. He's like a, he's 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 a mercenary that has a badge. Yeah. And uh this will come up uh, later in trivia as well, but it's, it's something that I've, I I I can't believe this position exists in any real police force. Uh we're kind of at a loss here. We're playing by the rules. Let's call in our police guys that don't play by the rules, which somehow pass a test and are still on our payroll. But go ahead. Go, go shake some shit up. It's it's weird. It's weird. Uh, all right. I think I'm out of juice here with uh, my notes. Oh, well, I, I, oh go ahead. I was just going to say they, they obviously um, – have to spend so much money in the city cleaning up after Marion Cobretti that they could not afford to replace his car. Yes. <laughs> and by the way, this, this is my last note here. At, at the very end, when, hey, Cobretti, I'll give you a ride. Nah, got my own ride. Which is one of the bikes <laughs> from the people that they killed. So he's, he's taking police evidence and leaving the scene with it. That's... Not a thing that would happen. Well, they they didn't. They weren't going to give him a new car. So yeah, so I'll just steal uh, police property. This is motorcycle from this group of. Yeah, the guy's dead anyway. He's not going to need it anymore. <laughs> uh, little known fact: the owner of that bike, his name was Zed. And when asking, "Isn't Zed going to miss his bike?" he said, "Zed's dead." No, he's dead. Yeah, that's that. That's a Pulp Fiction reference. Where Bruce Willis said that. Okay, never mind. Who cares? Moving on. <laughs> what movie are we doing? Are we, are we doing Pulp Fiction or are we doing Cobra? <laughs> this is my movie, All my right. time. Okay, so for your movie, final thoughts about the movie. Anything you want to say before we move on to the rest of the game? It did everything that I wanted it to do. It performed it beautifully. It did not rank very high on Adam's scale. Um, <laughs> and I now forced him to watch another 1980 <laughs> movie. Bastard. <laughs> All right. Uh, Mejro, any final thoughts before we move on to the rest of the show? I feel like this movie like kicked off a bunch of interesting things that I would have missed about the all action packed craziness, which is, what this was Cobra. Um, no respect for the law, an insane amount of gratuitous violence, a really cool car, a buttload of like action sequences and zingy one-liners. I'm overall, I feel like this is a great movie to watch binge. If you wanted to, and you're like got nothing else to do even better. But I do feel like because of the plot holes, the ridiculousness of it. I feel like this is not something you want to be watching for an intellectual adventure. 
but if you wanted to watch this film <laughs> as a person that just wanted to watch some cool things happen, you're, this is right up your alley. Okay. I, th- I think that's fair. This is not something that you want to see if you want to be uh, uh, mentally engaged. So it's like Fast and the Furious. Okay. Interesting. Shit. I think Nowadays, I, I think I agree with you. But I think Fast and Furious, I think, still has more of a through storyline that you can follow. And you're kind of more engaged through the entire process versus this one is. Oh, I I just watch it for the cool cars and the street scenes and the race scenes and (laughs) and the little one liners. And I hear there's. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that like the best one liner that came from the Fast and the Furious franchise was an ad lib from The Rock. What was that? But a forehead? Yeah, baby oil. <laughs> yeah. No, that was uh Tyrese Gibson. Yeah. And baseball baby oil? <laughs> yeah. Is that that I smell that base that baby oil? It's like that big forehead. Like, yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was when so, uh, Tyrese so did I, an actual spit take at the uh, yeah. at the end of the yeah. movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> everyone better have their baby oil. You better have that big ass forehead. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> uh, see that that movie's fun. That movie's fun. This movie to me uh, is not fun. Oh come on! It was one liners, one line singer. One. Yeah, no, How but the entire movie. I think. How many movies did they make? Colbert couldn't even do his own franchise because it was like so like underrated. Then you go over here. You watch Fast and the Furious, which I have to admit, the first two or three was so boring for me. Yeah. Once they jumped the shark and went full on crazy, then it became, oh, now it, okay, it's entertaining because you're being crazy. <laughs> uh-huh. See? So you like a movie that just like pedals through and like just goes with what they know they're messing up with? This This is something I've realized because of Sharknado is okay. that a movie has to pick a lane whereas i'm trying to do an actual action film or i'm trying to do something different where it's funny and weird and crazy where sharknado was just so stupid that it became hilarious cuz as scenes are happening i'm like oh please do this cuz that would be so stupid yes you did that stupid thing <laughs> versus this is like all right Let's do this cliche. All right. Next cliche. Got it. Also checked. You're, you're just checking boxes of cliches. Now, to be fair, at this time period, they probably weren't cliches, but watching them from the year 2020, it's, it doesn't, doesn't work. I, I would have to agree with you. They, it's not, though, that they weren't cliches. It's they were cliches, but they haven't been overly exploited. Okay, that makes sense. At the time. Yeah. So they were cliches, but they were newer cliches that they can use. Right. Now, if you were trying to make uh, a movie sort of like this in today's age or even post-2000, you get Falcon Rising. Do you watch that? That sounds familiar. Yeah, we did Falcon Rising, right, Maestro? Oh, was that? Uh, yes, we did. In there you uh, go, Puerto Rico or something. 
I forget what it is. Uh, who cares? Almost the same storyline. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get to the reviews now. Uh, like I said at the top of the show, we have lots of opinions, but zero credentials. We're going to from people who actually have credentials as well as audience members so we can get a better gauge when I make you guys guess the Rotten Tomato score from the top critics and the audience. So the way Rotten Tomatoes works, it's an average score between 0 to 100 amongst the critics and the audience. 0 to 59, 50, 0 to 59 is rotten. 60 to 84 is fresh. 85 and up is certified fresh. So I'm going to give you some reviews uh, because I did not like this movie, let's start with the bad reviews. Uh, <laughs> bad reviews from the top critics. On the bad reviews, I want to know when the review was done. I actually was very cognizant about this, and I tried to choose older reviews as much as possible. Uh, bad reviews. David Kerr from Chicago Reader, 2008. It's fast-paced. And full of gaudy action, yet it's thoroughly unsatisfying, largely because it's so lazy. Here's one from Time Out from 2006. The body count is only somewhere in the high 80s, and most of these are simply gunned down with a deplorable lack of invention. Those are the top critics. Here's good reviews from the top critics. This is from the Variety Staff, 2008. Cobra is a sleek, extremely violent, and extremely... An ex- oh, I'm sorry. An exciting police thriller. And that is it. One good review from the critics, the top critics. So, based on that... You didn't look hard enough. Uh, on Rotten Tomatoes, there was only one good review... And that's the one I found. So, based on Rotten Tomatoes scoring, you heard the good and the bad from the top critics. What do you think the top critics rated this movie? The top critics rated this movie... um, I want to say... Three set. No, (laughs) three. Wow. No, I want to say... 38. 38, Maestro. I'm going to go with a 50. All right. The tomato meter is 14. 14? 14 from the top critics. Wow. Wow. I yes. won. Yes, you got it. <laughs> All right. Wow. Now let's go with the audience. Let's see if this uh, skews the votes at all. This, I sorry. pick really good movies. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Good reviews from the audience. This is from Matthew from 2008. My favorite bargain bin movie ever. Cobra captures every 80s action movie cliche and makes them awesome. Go in, ex- go in expecting a cheesy popcorn movie. And 87 minutes later, you will not be disappointed. All right. This is from I like Jim. that guy. Yeah. That guy. That guy's a smart dude. He knows what he's going. He, he knows what he's trying to watch. And that's yeah. the thing. If you go in with a mindset of, I'm trying to watch this cheesy movie, 
Well, you enjoyed Sharknado because you knew it was going to be horrible to begin with. I, I went in expecting to be pissed, and I left excited. <laughs> because you knew it, it was going to be horrible, because but then it was, you just accepted it was so, the horribleness. It was so much worse than I ever could have imagined it to be. You did not, you did not eat popcorn during Cobra, did you? No. See, you didn't take his advice. You should look up the reviews first, okay. take their advice, make some popcorn, sit down and watch it. All right. Here's Try a it good, again. Good review from Jim M. Uh, in 2008. The perfect good bad action film. Salone as a reg- as a renegade cop up against an army of psychopaths led by the night slasher Brian Thompson. Cobra's got the attitude and the action to satisfy any action fan, and Brian Thompson is one of the scariest psychos to ever appear on film. And his knives leave you with no doubt about the horrible shit he wants to do to you. You want to go <laughs> you want to go to hell, pig? Huh? You want to go to hell with me? Classic. Stallone and Thompson put most modern action films to shame. It's very high praise. All right. On the flip side, here's the bad reviews from the audience. From William, also 2008. The highlight of this unintentionally hilarious movie is a montage sequence featuring the killer intercut with Brigitte Nielsen being photographed for a fashion spread. <laughs> that was so weird to me. <laughs> the, the the pictures of the robots in between what were supposed to be gruesome. <laughs> I, I, uh, I must say, I watched this movie with my wife. And she said, what the fuck's with the robot? <laughs> It was very confusing until at the, the beginning out. of that scene. At the yeah. beginning of that scene, you just see clips of a robot. You say, "Where's the robot fit into this movie?" And at one point, I thought, "Wait, are robots going to take over? Is that what's going to happen here?" <laughs> <laughs> and then at the end of that scene, you realize she was doing a photo shoot. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. All right. Uh, anyway, this review continues. In another inexplicable scene, inexplicable scene. Uh, Stallone's character comes home, grabs a piece of cold pizza, cuts a piece of it with scissors, and eats it. Multiple question marks. To make matters worse, the action scenes are clumsy and hard to follow. All right. Final bad review from the audience, Tyler S. 2008 as well. Where is anything in this film? The plot was almost non-existent and was simply replaced with random violence which wasn't necessarily bad. You hardly get to know the characters. And when you get to know something about the characters, it was announced for two seconds. For a film about two crazy cults, wait, for a film about a crazy cult and a cop, this was pretty disappointing. I, as much as I don't want to agree with bad (laughs) critiques, um, his critique about not really getting to know the characters was dead on. Yes. There was, but then I don't think this movie was about getting to know the characters. You basically, you get to know the characters from the synopsis of the film. Yeah. There's the characters. These are the characters. This is the adventure we're going on. Enjoy, have fun adventure. The only thing we get to know about the characters that was like in depth, 
was the fact that his first name was Marion. <laughs> That's basically it. And even uh, that wasn't that much. Yeah. Yeah, and he's a tough on crime cop, you know. Right. So those are the good and bad reviews from the audience. So now I want you guys to guess the audience score. I'm gonna stay with 38. Mm. Very ballsy. Mm. Um, Cobra had a lot of fallen cults classics, right? Okay. So, quote unquote, yes, yes. So I'm gonna go with 50. All right, 38 and 50. The audience rated this movie as rotten. Ow. It was a 42%. Cowboy, you get both showcases. Look at you, man. Mm-hmm. Yay. And we both stuck with the same numbers we had. <laughs> See how much insight we had in our numbers? Our right right? It's, 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 38. I think it's higher. Oh, 50. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Paul Giamatti and Gary Oldman were not in this film. We like to play the game because we, I think, find them as fantastic actors that elevate movies. If we were to put them in this movie to make it better, who would you take out and replace with Paul Giamatti or Gary Oldman? Paul Giamatti needs to play Cobra's uh, partner. Oh, right. Nice. Yeah. That's, yes, that is very good. Strong. And then Paul Giamatti, or no, not Paul Giamatti. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. Hmm. Damn, the guy's so talented. Um, I don't know. I think I think he would do good as the rogue insider cop. Doesn't necessarily have to be a female. No, gender swap, age swap. It, yeah, it's all I think irrelevant. he would make. I, I think he would pull off a good rogue, uh, bad cop. Okay, all right. All character, right. Like you wouldn't think of it. Right. Interesting. All right, I, I think Jumadi uh, would have been. I, I think you nailed it as a partner. Oh. Perfect. Uh, Gary Oldman for me, I think would have been, uh, Brian, the, the night slasher, uh, just, just because of the intensity and whatnot, but no other reason than that. I, I, the only reason why I did not pick him, the intensity I get, but I don't think Gary Oldman has the body to do that fight scene at the end mm. Okay. with, putting them up against Sylvester Stallone. If you put them two together, doing that fight scene, Sly Stallone's would just destroy him with okay. the muscle and the, and, and the, the physique and stuff, you know? Yeah, no, I agree. I wouldn't be able to buy it. How about you, Maestro? Uh, Paul Giamatti, Gary Oldman, what do you think? Uh, Dude, I want, I want Paul Giamatti and uh, Gary Oldman to be the two detectives that say to go on and do it, Cobra, do what your own, do your own, do what you do best. I want them to do that, but okay. I want them to like take oh. it on a whole different spiel oh. where they go like super crazy. I like it. Okay. So based on that, I think Gary Oldman would be uh, what I think is the chief of police, which is the, the guy from that 70s show, the neighbor, yeah. the neighbor's dad. And Gary Oldman it, would be, the, really I don't think it's him. Is it really him? Yes, it is. Oh shit. Look it up. 
the and then the 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 pussy cop that gets like punched in the face by by Cobra later, that could be the Paul Giamma or the uh, Gary Oldman. All right, that works too. <laughs> I'm okay with that. All right, now it's time for trivia. This is part of the show where I give you guys little bits of facts or information that you may not know about the movie. I'm going to start with. This is interesting. I love trivia so much. The original cut was over two hours long. Due to concerns it might not be a hit, the film was cut down to 87 minutes, thereby increasing the number of screenings per day. Some of the more violent scenes were also cut to avoid an X rating. A great deal of plot detail was either removed or sped up while most of the violence and nearly every death was edited and depicted off-screen, resulting in numerous continuity errors. Now, as far as this X rating, which my mind went to immediately, uh, Brigitte Nielsen sex scenes, however, they were not. The X rating scenes included the first murder victim having her hands severed, an extended autopsy scene, including lingering shots of naked and mutilated bodies, a longer death for Ingrid's photographer, Dan, including a shot of him slipping on his own blood while trying to escape, more deaths of the townspeople, and also a person getting hit in the face with an axe. So that is what would have given it an X rating, not the not sexy stuff. All right, this is... Uh, at one point during filming, Stallone complained to the cinematographer, uh, Rick Waite, that they were falling behind and said he and his crew need to work harder. Waite responded by saying it's Stallone. If Stallone could get his hands off Brigitte Nielsen's ass and stop showing off to his bodyguards, maybe they, would, they wouldn't have a problem with time. Salone was shocked that somebody would talk to him that way, but he toned down his ego for a few weeks. In an interview later, uh, he said that the director wasn't much of a director. He was a bad director, is what he said, to uh, George Cosmatos. This one's uh, interesting. Kind of makes sense. None of the supporting cast or crew were allowed to talk to Stallone during filming. What an asshole. All right. I get that from him. Right? It's, it's weird. You can't not have an ego and, I think, be Stallone. All right. Uh, the custom 1950 Mercury driven by Cobretti in the film was actually owned by Stallone. The studio produced stunt doubles of the car for use in some of the action sequences, such as the jump from the second floor to the parking garage. So this was his car. That was ridiculous, by the way. Did you see that? Oh, my God. Okay. So dumb. All right, last one. Here we go. Stallone said he got the idea for the LAPD's zombie squad from a real-life zombie squad in Belgium, comprised of cops who would go out at night and handle crazed criminals 
on their own terms. I don't hate that idea. Go Belgium. Right. Yes. Sometimes you got to take measure in your own hands. I'm okay with that. All right. Money makes the world go round. Let's, pull this, let's put this film in perspective with other films that were released this year so we get a feel financially how it held up to its peers. The budget for this film was an estimated $25 million. This did not have a foreign box office, so we're going based only off U.S. U.S. box office. What do you think this film grossed based on that? The budget was $24 million. Twenty-five. Twenty-five. Yeah. I'm gonna say fifteen. Fifteen. All right, Mishra. Hmm. <sighs> this is gonna be tough. Uh, ten. Ten. All right. In the U.S., this grossed four nine million dollars. Oh, 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 I'm wow. always wrong. Cowboy swept the board. You see what I did there? <laughs> I, I, I had zero confidence in this movie, and I swayed Maestro. Yeah, no, you got it. Everything you said was accurate. Your choice. Well done. Uh, this I won all three of them, but I was way off. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine you're closest it's all that matters uh, this film debuted on May 23rd 1986 with 12.7 million dollars this was the 15th highest grossing film of 86 any guesses on what number one was in 1986 Back to the <laughs> I don't know <laughs> yeah it's too long ago I don't I think that was 85 yeah, 84, I think, somewhere around there. It's yeah. fine. 1986. Um, shoot. Can, do you have any clues? Yeah. Lana! What? Lana! Lana? Lana? Yeah, it's uh, from Archer. It's a... Uh... <laughs> yep, nothing. Yeah. It's, uh, Kenny... You suck at clues, dude. Kenny Loggins was the song for this movie. Footloose? Highway no. to Top the Gun. Danger Zone. Yes. Top it, Gun. It was Top Gun. All right. That was 1986's Cobra, directed by George P. Cosmatos. Check out our website, ratpackpodcast.com slash spoilers. Follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at Spoilers Show. Check out and subscribe to our YouTube channel, at Rat Pack Productions. <gasps> Write to us via email. Spoilers at ratpack.productions for any questions, opinions, or movie requests. Please rate and view the show on Apple Podcasts so it helps us in the rankings. If you leave us a review and give us a recommendation for a movie, that movie goes to the top of our list and we'll watch it before anything else. Next week, what we're watching, this is a maestro pick. Ooh? From 2011. Oh, yeah. It's about an alien. Yes. Uh, that I believe... Is voiced by Seth Rogen. Yes, yes. <gasps> oh my God! No way! It is not this movie. It's Paul. Oh, that yeah. wasn't what I was thinking about. Is it Seth Rogen that voices it? Yes, yeah. it is. Okay. All right. So we go. There we go. Paul. Next week. 
It'll be great. Thank you, Maestro. And also, ahead of time, F you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> How do you know? I, I, I think you, I... You haven't even seen it yet. Dude. I have. I, I saw it one time, but I remember... How nothing, long ago? A very long time ago. I remember nothing about it, but... Even better. That means I didn't like it. That eats even better. It again. If yes. I remember nothing, I that means it, it didn't make an impression. No, no, that just means you were in the wrong frame of mind when you watched <laughs> it the first time. There's been movies that you've seen before, and then you've watched because of this podcast. You're like, I actually liked it this time. Or you're like, oh, I knew this movie's gonna suck. I'm gonna hate it. Oh, Sharknado. <laughs> It's also possible because it's a major suggestion that I know I'm going to dislike it. That's the uh, that's where I am. <laughs> With Doctor and Dale versus Evil. Okay, there there are exceptions to every rule. The Hitman's Knights of Badassdom. Okay, like I said, multiple Wait. exceptions maybe. By the way, Hitman's Bodyguard technically was not reviewed on this podcast because you also suggested. Mixed Nuts, which was horrible. Yeah, it was. <laughs> All right. Okay, so before we end this story, okay, I need to like clear the air on this one. Okay, I wanted to make a, I wanted to show a movie that I knew was going to be bad, but I wanted to suffer through it with you, and that's why I chose Mixed Nuts because I knew you hated it, and I was probably going to hate it too. To be fair, Mixed Nuts was chosen. Uh, it was my fault. I went back through the text messages and I saw that you said Hitman's Bodyguard, but not before you said Mixed Nuts. And then you said, you know what? Let's do Hitman's Bodyguard instead, which is a great movie, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> I did enjoy that movie quite a bit, but my brain focused on Mixed Nuts for some reason, maybe because I hate myself. Uh, and <laughs> And it was it was a horrible horrible movie. <laughs> you check back in the, the archives for that episode of when you see exactly how yes angry yeah <laughs> check back. I yes. I, th- I think I came back to the podcast right after you guys did mix nuts. You're so lucky. <laughs> and after you guys did master of disguise. Oh my god! Very lucky. That that. That movie almost ended the podcast. <laughs> it literally almost ended the podcast. Hollywood was so upset about doing this movie. It's like, I don't know if I can do this anymore, guys. <laughs> <laughs> so go, go back to the archives. Check out um, Mixed Nuts, Master of Disguise, if you if you wish. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, our you know our podcast about Mixed Nuts was actually funnier. Yeah. Well, anything's funnier than the movie. Turtle. Okay. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Adam. I'm Cowboy. And I'm still here. Yay!